The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. Try to imagine, if you can, what the disciples and that band of followers of Jesus felt on Friday night and Saturday. Gloom must have settled on them like a heavy fog. And rightly so. They had seen with their own eyes the merciless torture and murder of the Lord. Without a doubt, they were there when the trials were going on. They had heard with their ears Pilate say, I find no fault in this man. To release Barabbas or Jesus? Who shall I release? And they screamed, Barabbas! What then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Crucify Him, they said. They saw their Lord tied to a whipping post. And Roman soldiers with catadine tails lacerated his body with the scourge. Thirty-nine stripes. Often a man would die under the scourging. They saw his flesh ripped from his body. And they heard with their own ears the mockery of the people around, the religious leaders leading the, leading the mockery, laughing at him making fun of him, slapping him and saying, prophesy, who was it that slapped you? They spat in his face. They mocked the Lord. And then they saw a crown of thorns plaited together and pressed on his brow. Can you imagine what it was like to have seen the only man who ever completely lived in love treated like that. The crossbeam was tied across his shoulders and they must have followed him up the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering, until they got to the hill called Golgotha, the face of the skull. They heard the hammer as it drove the nails in his hands and his feet and saw him lifted up. And then they heard him pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They heard him respond to another criminal who was being crucified today. You'll be with me in paradise. They saw his mother Mary come with John the apostle and stood before the cross and heard Jesus say, Woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. Time passed. From 9 o'clock a.m. till till noon that day, they stood and watched the agony of crucifixion. Something strange happened at noon. The sun refused to shine and the stars and the moon hid their faces. And for three 
hours they stood in silence and darkness until they heard this mournful cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then Jesus said he was thirsty and they got some vinegar and put it on a sponge and put it to his lips. It was not a cry of defeat. <laughs> no, it's a cry of victory. Tetelestai, he said in Greek. It is finished, we translate. The plan of God's redemption had been completed as Jesus paid the price of your sin and mine on the cross. And then he bowed his head and dismissed his spirit and said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And then they watched as as Joseph and Nicodemus came and took the dead body of Jesus down very carefully from the cross and carried it to a tomb and laid it there. Can you imagine how the rest of Friday night went? All day Saturday. If Peter heard a rooster cry, I'm sure he shuddered in his sandals. It was a difficult, horrible time. And then on Sunday morning they heard this strange word. He's alive. (laughs) No, it couldn't be. He's alive. Ladies came and said, we have seen him. He's alive. And Jesus proved he was alive for he appeared appeared to them on a multitude of occasions. For the next 40 years he went place to place and revealed himself. One time 500 people were there when the resurrected living Lord showed himself. And then, 40 days later, he was on a little hill and they watched him ascend into heaven and as they waved goodbye, he promised to come again. Oh, could it be true? Could he who had died on the cross really be alive again? Yes, they had seen him, had talked to him, had touched him. He's alive. Do you know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important of all of the pieces of the gospel? It was what transformed the preaching of all the disciples. They didn't know what to do. Jesus told them to go into Jerusalem and wait ten days and pray in one accord. (laughs) And on the day of Pentecost... Fifty days from Passover, ten days from the ascension. Guess what happened? The Holy Spirit and fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus had given them. The Holy Spirit came and it was obvious that this was a unique gift of God Himself as they began to speak languages that they had not learned and people from all over the world celebrating were able to hear The good news of Jesus' death on the cross and His resurrection from the grave. And 
Well, after they had witnessed Peter, you know how boastful and braggadocious he was. He stood to preach. And I want to read a portion of the message because you see, the resurrection is the most important truth that Jesus is who He said He was. Did you get that? If Jesus had not been resurrected, His death would be as common as as mine and yours when that occurs. But because of the resurrection, we know that He really is who He said He was, and He's going to fulfill what He promised. So on that day, Pentecost day, Peter preached. If you have your copy of Scripture, I want you to turn to the second chapter of Acts. And I want to read what Peter said because it's so important. There's some words in here that I want us to lift out of the context and try to understand what resurrection really means. Beginning in verse 22 of Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man, my scripture says, attested by God. Might want to underline that word, we're going to come back to it. A man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, and he quotes from Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11, this is what David said centuries before, I Foresaw the Lord always before my face. He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades. The word Hades means the realm of the dead. Listen to what David says. You will not leave my soul in Hades nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body... According to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spake concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out His flesh, and you will, as you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord is my Lord, sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. 
Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow, what a sermon. What a message. The message that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and came alive again. From Peter's sermon and from study, I want to suggest that resurrection not only is so vitally important to the gospel, but first of all, it was a vindication of who Christ was. Resurrection was Christ's vindication. Look back at twenty, verse 22 and 23 and 24. The word that my translation says, a man attested by God. What does your translation say? It could be approved. It could be translated to declare that God declared or proved or showed or demonstrated. It's a picture of the kind of person who, uh, who God demonstrates is really who He says He is. And He did it according to what Peter said with signs and miracles and miraculous things. You know that He is God because you saw the miracles of healing and the miracles of the dead being raised again. Peter is saying that God has vindicated Jesus through the resurrection. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, God vindicated Jesus' character. He really is who He said He was. He is holy and pure and righteous. Now, the world had promised and delivered what they thought of Jesus on Friday. No good. Worthy of death. A fake. We don't need Him around. Crucify Him. (laughs) But on Sunday, God gave His His Word. No. Death does not need to hold this one. Death has no strings to hold Him with. Death has no power to hold Him in the grave. He is alive and He is pure and holy and love and all the characteristics of God. He is proving by the resurrection that the character of Jesus Christ is just what He had said and lived these 33 years. But it not only proved His character, it proved His language, His claims. I don't know if you've ever studied the New Testament, but Jesus made some unbelievable claims. He claimed that He had created the world. John 1, one in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word created everything that was created. He brought life and light because that's who He is. He claimed that He and the Father were one. That God could forgive sin because He was God. He could forgive sin. He said in John 3, 
You must be born again. Is that true? Yes. He said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him can have everlasting life. Is that true? Yes. He said on so many occasions, wonderful things, like the woman at the well, I will give you springs of living water if you'll just believe in me. He said in John 11, when Lazarus, his friend, had died and he didn't come to cure his sickness, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Is that true? He said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In John 15, I am the true vine. Are these things real? Are they true? God's Amen. God's yes. God's truth is the resurrection. When the world says not good, God says no, He is good and what He said and claimed is true. My verbal, visible Amen to Jesus is the resurrection. Oh, my goodness. If Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life, and God says, I agree with that, it's got to be true. So the resurrection is the way that God the Father vindicated the truth of who Jesus is. His character and His claims has the stamp of approval from God the Father. But that's not all. Peter goes on to talk about the resurrection is Christ's exaltation. Did you see it in verse 32 and following? God has raised him up to a new position. I'll put all your enemies under your footstool. David had said. God put Jesus as the seated son at his right hand. The place of honor, the place of superiority, the place that Jesus deserved. He left heaven to come to earth and lost many of the characteristics of the Godhead. He no longer was omnipotent. He he got tired and hungry and weak. He was no longer omnipresent. He couldn't be everywhere at the same time in His human body. He lost, gave up. I shouldn't say lost. He gave up some of those privileges. But now as a resurrected, glorious Son of God, He is placed back at the seat of authority, the seat of power, and the place where He continues to intercede for you and me. Oh my. Easter is the lowly one, 
the lowly Son of God being elevated to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. And Paul says one day, hadn't happened yet, but one day when Christ comes again, remember Philippians 2, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father because that's who He is and that's what He deserves. He is at the seat of honor, of power. Oh, He was exalted. But that's not all. He was exalted with a new power. Verse 36 says, He has all power. Jesus claimed that. Right before He ascended into heaven, He said to the disciples, recorded in Matthew 28, all the Greek word there, exousia, is not the dynamic power, though He had that. It's authority. All authority, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And He gave that power to those followers of Him, as He said, as you are going into the world, make disciples, teaching them what I've told you to teach them, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What Jesus said to them is the same kind of power that resurrected me. I want to impart in you. Go back in your minds to Acts chapter 1, where the disciples said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, no, it's not for you to know the times of the season, but listen to this. You will receive power, that's the dunamis, the dynamic power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. And Jesus says, that power that resurrected me, I have and I will give to you and you will be my disciples. Oh my, all authority, all power was granted to him again when God said, get out of that grave, son. And up from the grave he arose. He was victorious over sin, death, and the grave because... He is God, and He fulfilled what God had intended. Oh, it's easy to call Him Lord, but it's difficult to let Him be Lord of our life, is it not? When Jesus called Him both Lord and Christ in verse 36, that must have been a very difficult thing for Peter because he was raised as a Jew. Every morning and every night he would recite the Shema from Deuteronomy. The Lord our God is one. He would not ascribe the lordship of any other person than to the Godhead. And here he is saying the one that you crucified, the one that you nailed to a cross, the one that you put in the tomb, God has made him both Lord and Christ. The power of the resurrection vindicated that what Jesus said and did was true. And it's like God's stamp of approval on him. And it also exalted him to a new position and power. But that's not all. The resurrection is our 
sanctification. It's the power of the resurrection that allows you and me to receive the forgiveness of sin and to be able to be a part of the family of God. And when the gospel message is preached, heard, and understood, there's something that happens. You know it. These people had heard that message said they were pricked in their heart. What does that mean? To be pricked in the heart. I was seven years old when I first felt that. Jesus knocking at my little heart's door. You've heard it too. Might have been yesterday. Might be today. But there's something unmistakable about the, the invitation that God gives us to open our life to Him. It's called conviction. It's called the acknowledgement that God is speaking to me. And when He does, He invites us to open up our lives so He can come in. Oh, and when He does, He wants to take over. And we need to let Him because He knows what's best for us. They asked the question, what shall we do? And Peter says, join First Baptist Church. No, he says, pay the pastor double what you're paying him. He says, get your passport and go to Africa. No, <laughs> no, none of that. The simple message is, repent. Turn from your sin. Jesus Christ comes in to live and He gives us everlasting life. And then we prove that we have been saved by being obedient. And obedience, first of all, is baptism. Baptism is such a beautiful picture that God gave us to witness to the fact that we've received it. And I can prove it. Verse 40. One here says, they that gladly received His Word. Did you get it? Past tense. They had already received the Word. They were baptized and the Lord added some 3,000 souls to the church. Baptism does not save us. Baptism is a sign that we have been saved. And if you have invited Jesus Christ into your heart and have not been baptized... You're in disobedience. Do you understand? They said, and the Scripture says, that we are to be obedient to the things of God. And as Peter said on the day of Pentecost, as Jesus said in Acts, I mean, excuse me, uh, Matthew 28, when He ascended into heaven, we're to teach as we make disciples And they're to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And don't you love the picture of baptism? We stand alive, testifying that we believe that Jesus lived. And then we are lured into the water. We believe that Jesus died and was buried. (laughs) 
Oh, but he didn't stay there. We are resurrected as we come up out of the water. And Paul says in Romans chapter 6, we were buried with him at baptism and like as Christ was raised up from the dead, we are raised to walk in a new kind of life. Peter says it. What shall we do, men and brethren? Repent. Turn from your sinful ways. And then prove that by submitting to believers' baptism. Oh, resurrection is so important. It proves that Jesus is who He said He was. That what He said was true. And God's stamp of approval was there. The resurrection is how Christ was exalted like He should always be in our lives to a place of right power and position. But it opens up the door of life for you and me. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Have you invited Him to come into your life? Have you been obedient to believers' baptism? If not, why not? The resurrection happened so that we would know the truth and we can accept the truth. I'm not much of a historian, but I read a story about Winchester Cathedral during the Battle of Waterloo. Back in those days, they didn't have cell phones or other ways to communicate except flashing the Morse code. At a ship, English ship was returning from the battle, and the signal person on the ship was signaling to a receiver the top of the cathedral. He began to flash the words, the letters. Wellington spelled it out. W-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N. Wellington defeated. And at that very moment, fog rolled in. And though the signal may not have been completed, they didn't get the rest of it. The man on the top of the cathedral began to to communicate to those below him, Oh no, Wellington is defeated! And that word went all through England and they wondered, What in the world are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? About an hour later, the fog lifted and they got the rest of the message. Wellington defeated the enemy. (laughs) And like a tidal wave of good news, the word spread out. Wellington defeated the enemy. And we're still free. Listen, on that Friday night, like a fog had come into the disciples' hearts. We're lost. Our Savior, our Lord, our Master, our King, our Friend is dead. What in the world are we going to do? That was Friday But Sunday morning, the fog lifted. And he who they had seen die is alive again. 
Hallelujah. If you hear this word, it is the truth. God has defeated the enemy of the devil. He may have celebrated on Friday, but on Sunday, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. And if you have never trusted Him, I have an idea that you're going to feel in your heart. I don't know how to explain it other than you just know it. You'll be pricked in your heart. And if you ask the same questions that they asked Peter, I'm going to say to you, repent. Turn to Him. Invite Him into your life. The Scripture says in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made. That wonderful verse, verse 13, whosoever, that's your name and mine, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord, hopes to be saved? No. Might be saved? No. Will be saved because if you really believe in your heart, and are willing to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, guess what? He who died on the cross and was gloriously resurrected will do what He says. He will save your soul and give you everlasting life. Wow. Let's pray together. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, Let me ask you to get honest with yourself. Have I ever really trusted Jesus Christ? Am I living in obedience? If not, why not today on this Resurrection Sunday say yes to Him? How do you do it? The old gospel hymn that Billy Graham has used for Hundreds of years it seems, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come, just as you are today. You can say yes to Him. Would you do it? If you need some help, I'll be here at the altar to pray with you. Maybe there's other needs. Maybe you have accepted Christ, but you've never been baptized. Or you never joined the church. Why not today? This day, do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. Father, I thank you for the truth of the message of uh, of resurrection. Jesus died, was buried, but oh, gloriously resurrected to prove that we are able to have eternal life. Help us today to make that decision, I pray in Jesus' name. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org.
www.ofcitymissions.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.